0: Welcome to the Daily Objective, Day one twenty seven of the war in Israel. I'm joined today by Tal Sfani, the um, uh, president and CEO of the Ayn Rand Institute. Tal, welcome. Thanks, Razi. Happy to be here. So, um, Tal, you uh, other than running ARI, you are also uh, from Israel originally, and you um, you have some thoughts on this war. I want to I want to start with uh, you know a thought that we've had on this channel and that has been controversial even among objectivists. We have. Uh, uh, we have made a point of saying that the war or the war that should be fought by Israel is not specifically against Hamas. Uh, and and uh, we're not even talking about, you know, the fact that Iran is behind this and there are other proxies, but we've been talking about the Palestinian people and how this is a Palestinian, this is a part of the Palestinian uh, way of life. This is their culture. Uh, it is murdering Jews is something to be, uh, to do and to celebrate. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on uh, on who this war is really against? If we
1: take a step back, just define what war is. Uh, war is a uh you default into physical um battle, um, trying what is the what is the objective of a war? Is to change the will and the direction of your enemy. And um, it's Napoleon who said uh that the moral is to the physical as 3 to 1 which means that if you really understand war you understand that you're going to war against ideas ideas are not devoid devoided from the people who carry them so it's a, it's a war against people and the ideas that people carry so if you want to be very precise what you are saying is that you're going against a culture with specific ideas And I agree with you that the majority of the Palestinians right now are holding vicious, um, deadly ideas that needs to be crushed. But the view needs to be, we're not just killing bodies. We're not destroying buildings. We're going after changing and crushing the will of an enemy to pursue its ideological vision. And how you do that is how you fight a war efficiently. So you can say it in different terms, but what you're actually going after is Islamic fundamentalism. And you're going against the Palestinians. You're going against anyone who's carrying those ideas, could be the Iranians, or at least, as far as I I know, not the majority of our Iranians. But this is why I think people overestimate how hard it's going to be to crush those regimes once and for all if we understood what it takes to win the war of ideas um, with violence. Um, So I I think saying we are war with the Palestinians is true, but let's be even more precise. We're after the culture that has been developed um, in the the recent decades and decades since uh, Islamic fundamentalism took over uh, the Palestinian culture. It, It didn't used to be like that and uh it didn't it didn't used to be like that with other arab uh cultures uh, but it, i think what happened in iran in 1979 fueled and inspired uh takeover of a new philosophy that this this is really the the enemy we need to think about when we're fighting
0: yeah and you mentioned iran you know we've been saying uh, of all the countries in the middle east you know the one country that if we if we go to war with we actually have people on our side in that country is Iran there is there is real opposition the kind you don't see among the Palestinians uh, to the Iranian regime so uh, from what you were you were saying to where Israel actually is in the way uh, in the way it's fighting what is uh, what is the distance what is what is that gap and, and uh, is it is it something that could be closed
1: Israel is going to lose because of Israel Israel is not going to lose because of any other reason including some of the voices, including it's not going to lose because of the United States and its ability to arm Israel. I think people don't know and don't understand and don't appreciate how strong Israel is as a culture that it manifests itself in its sophistication and ability to fight. Israel can crush any enemy in the Middle East within a week if it wanted to. You, I hear interviews with military generals uh, you know, there are retired that say it's really uh, it's an ideological decision how we fight. It's not it's not a military issue. Um, The complicated issue is how do you arm yourself? How do you strategize to win a war where the enemy in a way uh, says enough? I'm I'm quitting my, my ideological pursuit of, what, of my ideals? And how do you do that? Um, in this wonderful book, uh, Nothing Less Than Victory, that I really recommend any, everyone to read, sorry, the other way around, um, by John David Lewis, if you read history and the history of war, you really understand that really what matters are ideas and the moral ideas behind the reason for war And so um, I think Israel does not understand what it's fighting for. Israelis think that they're fighting for their lives, period. But they're not fighting for their lives, period. They're fighting for a way of life. And if they don't embrace the core of their strength and the reason why Israel is superior morally uh, over the other uh, cultures around it, it will lose because then we fall into this fallacy of, you know if we win the war it's just going to lead to new grievances new conflicts and that's what we've been told and that's what america has been uh pursuing in the you know since world war ii just a misunderstanding what it means what war is and what you're actually trying to achieve with the war if israel realized that it's fighting for a way of life it's trying to crush the will of people then the way we fight and uh the casualties And our objectives would be completely different um, and more widespread. We need to crush all of the regimes that are threatening the way of life of the Israelis. And I have a lot to say about Israel itself. I mean, Israel, the way it it thinks about itself as an advanced Western uh, civilization uh, of separation of state and religion and things like that. But that's that's deeper. Um, So, yeah, I think Israel is going to a defeat itself, uh, and it's already in a way defeating itself in the way it thinks about the way it fights in Gaza.
0: Yeah. So about that, uh, you know, you you talk about Israel's moral superiority. I think in Israel people would agree, but one thing they would say, you know, they say uh, the the IDF is the most moral army in the world, and the reason they give for that is uh, the the lengths to which it goes to prevent civilian casualties on on the enemy's side. Uh, even at the cost of lives of its own soldiers and of of achieving the goals of the military operation to begin with. So um, yeah. Do, do you have uh?
1: Yeah, th- this is the wrong reason, the wrong moral reason. Israel is not moral because it doesn't target women and children. Israel is moral because it's a free society that respects individual rights. Not all the way. It's not perfect in any way. Um. But that's the core of its superiority. It's not the Jewish culture. Um, it's not, although the Jewish culture has a lot of good things in it. It's the accepting the same moral ideas, political moral ideas of the founding fathers of America. That you own your own life. And that the only uh, role of a government is to protect individual rights. And it does that inside of Israel. You can walk free, say whatever you want to say, and you own your own property and nobody steals it from you. There's a rule of law in Israel and that's the core of its strength. And so Israelis equate the moral superiority of itself to pacifism or whatever you want to call it, which is we try not to harm or do less harm or kill as little as possible. This is why everybody's counting bodies, which is completely irrelevant. If you want to fight ideas, you want to crush the enemy so hard to the point where it says, I'm giving up on my uh, will to fight. I'm giving up on my vision. And Israel needs to understand that in that battle, that strategic view of seeing war, it's weapon. It's the freedom and liberty that it represents on a political level. The superiority of, of man's mind over you know, brute force and the will to destroy. If it understood the, the nature of its power, then it would leverage in a much more effective way. And we're falling into the same fallacies of how America fights today, how the whole Western world has lost its uh, spine, if you will, moral spine and uh, core. Um, in a, in a, if, if it was, you know, I had anything to say about how Israeli fights. It needs to blow, you know, put down a, a, such a blow um, on on the Palestinians and on, you know, uh, Lebanon and Hezbollah and uh, Iran that people and I think we're underestimating that people that want to live in those cultures will raise their heads and say, "We're here to live. We want freedom." And um, I think reality is on Israel's side which means that if you allow freedom and uh, liberty to, to raise its head and, and give it room to develop, then, then the people inside of those cultures will take over. The same has happened as post-World War II um, with the nation building that, that America did. It allowed the good parts of that uh, those cultures to raise their heads, to reorganize, reorient re-educate and turn that culture in a in a different path and that's a hard thing to do
0: um and i want to ask more about that but uh before that although you did mention this let's uh so let's say you know with with what israel is is doing right now which is much less than what you're proposing we already hear you know biden saying it's over the top we uh you know and, and he's the most supportive of uh, of world leaders so it's it's much worse when you look at uh at european countries and uh um yeah so how much can israel do if it really is if if it went as far as you're suggesting uh where would it find itself in the uh, on the world stage
1: that's the problem it it needs to get off the world stage it needs to get on a new stage and uh rethink the way uh it operates. Israel is in a unique position, it's a it's a wedge, the the forefront of Western civilization fighting barbarism. And um this is why Israel is at a, a position that no other nation is in, I think. Uh I, I can't think any any parallels. Um to answer that question, I want to say something before that. If if you think of war as a way to just kick the can down the, the road to the future and say it's going to create new grievances, everybody's going to regroup, right, the day after, and we're going to fight again, and then we're going to fight again. And if that is your view, then your, your whole perspective is let's minimize everything. Let's get back to calming things down. And if you think about what Biden and the Americans and the Europeans are trying to do, it says, calm down guys, calm down, calm down. We just don't want the noise. And that's a short-term, simplistic, superficial way of understanding human conflict. The deep way, if you look at history, if you want to build a foundation for a long-term peace, what you need to do is to end one philosophy, a one political philosophy, and crush it to the point where one side, uh, the defeated side, says, enough, we're not doing this anymore. It's not like we're kicking down the can down the road. There's no can anymore. The Japanese gave up. The Germans gave up. The South, in a way, um, did not give up enough until Sherman made sure that they understood what he means when he says, enough, we are not going to have that anymore. So what does it mean for Israel to say to the Palestinians and to Hezbollah and to Iran, enough, there's no more conflict. What will that look like? That is the way America uh, sorry, Israel should think and ignore America. I know a lot of people say, yeah, without the weapons, without the ammunition. I don't, I don't believe that's true. If you really understood what Israel can do with its current weapon and its will and the, the The ideas that you educate your soldiers with is, this is why we're fighting. We're not just fighting as a revenge for what happened in October seven. We're fighting because we are the good ones. We are for liberty. We are for prosper- sorry, for prosperity. We are for children smiling and people living their lives in happiness. They're for death and destruction. They're for slavery, they're for coercion. If you educate and you start talking in those terms, first, immediately by Napoleon's rule, you're three times more powerful and uh, you will win the war. It's just a very complicated, um, complex way of thinking about a war. And then the strategy, um, if, if you act upon this strategy, then the tactics completely are completely different. And I think that's something that uh, Israeli generals and... Um, Unfortunately, the politicians are not even close to thinking. That's not the, the methodology by which they think right now. So I, I don't think that I should answer your question. Like, this is the amount of power and force Israel needs to apply. That's not the way to think about it. It's like, well, first, what are we trying to achieve, which is complete annihilation of the ideas? And what does it mean for the day after? Uh, so if you let's focus on uh, the Palestinians. What does it mean? How does the world look like when we are, as Israelis, take the Palestinians' culture into a new direction? What is the, the process um, of normalization over maybe a decade or two would look like if we wanted uh, a Palestinian kid to look that, like a kid in Ashkelon, right, in Ashdod or Tel Aviv? Because the kid in Tel Aviv is not different from the t- kid in Gaza when they're born. There's the same thing. It's just how are they are being educated into a, a moral and a political moral philosophy of how people live together. Um, so how does that look like? And I know some people say we have to uh, completely separate. Some people say, no, we have to take over and enforce a a, a full military rule and then Slow assimilation of, of of the Palestinians, and what does it say about the Jewish nature uh, nature of Israel? What does it say about the Arabs in Israel? What does it say about the West Bank? There's so many questions. So before we can answer how much, you know, um, gun power and 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 uh, um, bombs should should we, we drop and where? We should really think about what we what it is that we're trying to achieve and what will the day after look like.
0: So what will the day after look like? Uh, and, and what will it look like, uh, considering what Israel is doing, and what should it look like?
1: It's a very complicated question, and I'm not I'm not a military expert, so I don't want to go into tactics. I, again, let's stick to the principles. The principles is you're not solving the problem and, unless the, the Palestinian culture gives up on its Islamic fundamentalist ideas and starts to accept Western ideas of liberty and freedom and individualism um how do you do that I, in my view everything i know about it and again i'm no expert is i don't see how you can just leave the palestinians alone like we did in you know when we backed off and left left them everything um it's you see what happens they, they deteriorate into the same ideas again and they're uh, a forefront for a lot of people that are interested in fighting the ideological fight with Israel as a representative of the Western world. I think specifically, and not like Egypt or Jordan or Syria or Lebanon, you cannot really just say, oh, here's the border. Do it again, guys. Take, let the Hamas take over again and we'll we'll fight you again. If that's what Israel wants, I think that's not the solution. So the, the way I think about it, and uh, I was born in Beersheba, that is very pretty close to Gaza and in the 70s the Ga- uh, people from gaza were all over beersheba w- they were building our houses they were in the markets they were selling goods and sweets and and prod- produce coming from gaza uh, my parents went to the gaza beach uh, and uh, and and into their markets um and then of course uh, iran happened uh, the iranian revolution happened um and things got worse so i I think that the way to think about it is, and it's very hard to to imagine how that will work, but uh, you take over, you control that territory, and you make sure, the same as you make sure that in Ashkelon and Ashdod and Haifa and Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, the people in that territory live under Israeli rule, and in the beginning, they're under complete army um, um, occupation, but slowly there's a ladder by which if you start behaving and you're showing you we give you go more credit it's like a ladder of freedom that we will allow you first to go back into internal commerce and open the shops and then if you're with good behavior and no you know we're completely controlling so there's no terrorism as the same as there's no terrorism in Haifa right we can have a rule of law and then slowly let them assimilate now I know that a lot of Jews think this is the end of Israel, and I think that points to the problem of Israel being the Jewish state rather than than the home for Jews, which I think uh, leads to a, a core problem in the Israeli culture itself, which doesn't allow for the assimilation of Arabs into it because it doesn't accept it as a completely free state, um, and that that's a deeper problem. But that that is the. The direction, the overall strategic direction that I think can work, um, people uh, m- might find it uh, problematic. There might be other strategies where we can live in peace uh, with with the, the Palestinians. Um, and I'm, you know, I think I think it's okay to to hear other ideas. But that's the way with everything I know. The way I integrate the complexity of the situation. It's not, you know, Egypt will not take responsibility. Uh, the Gulf states will not take responsibility. Nobody will really take responsibility if you let them do their thing. You know where, where things are. So Palestinians are a problem, a unique type of problem, not, not like Egypt, not like Jordan. And we need to treat it differently.
0: Yeah. By the way, Egypt has moved troops to its border with Gaza ahead of uh, Israel's expected operation in Rafah. So, and and that's and and by the way, that's not because they're afraid Israel would attack. They just don't want Palestinians coming in. Uh thank you, Apollo Zeus, for the super chat. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, thank you, Carolina. Uh,
1: so, what about the West Bank? Great question. I think the West Bank is not as infected and corrupted as Gaza because of, of Hamas. Uh, but if you think that the Palestinian Authority is any any better, <laughs> just listen to what they said after October 7th. It's like, oh, this is all the Israelis, Israel's fault, the occupation, and, and until Israel does not uh, stop, ceases occupying the territories, this, this fight will continue. Um, let's not pretend Israel needs to take over the West Bank, and it needs to um, eradicate those ideas as well. It's just kicking the can down the road, and you see what happens. You kick the can down the road, and um, when I was a soldier uh, in 88, 89, when I was in Gaza, if there was a suspicion for a rifle in one of the houses, the military came in and demolished the house see where we are right now when you kick the can enough, you get used to what's going on to the point where you're like, it's okay, we'll let them bring trucks with missiles. It's just missiles. We have Iron Dome, everything's fine. So there's a moral deterioration within the Israeli the Israelis over time. So if you don't want that moral deterioration to, to get to the point, I think actually if, if we keep things as they are, in 20 years, Israel will be okay with ten thousand people dying, it will be okay, because oh, we've seen October seventh. A thousand people died, and then uh, whoever imagined in the seventies, in the sixties, in the eighties that there will be a case where thousands of Israelis die, Israelis die, from Palestinian attacks, who would have imagined? Right now, we see it in reality. So. Israel needs to understand it needs to solve that problem once and for all and read the nothing like this less than victory to learn how you end wars, how do you build a foundation for long-lasting peace rather than appeasing America or or the United Nations. Um, so taking over the, the 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 West Bank and kicking out all of the Palestinian Authority, it's just a it's 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 ridiculous. It's a totalitarian regime, uh, maybe not as murderous as Hamas, but uh, it's just a a time bomb, you know, a ticking bomb. Um, So you take over, you apply Israeli rule of law. Uh, It's going to take a lot of resources and a lot of patience uh, from the Israelis, but that's the only way to remove that cancer.
0: Yeah, nothing less than victory. Speaking of reading it, uh, Netanyahu read it, or at least was pictured with it in the in the Knesset, the Israeli Parliament. Uh, so, yeah, we, we often say on this channel, Netanyahu uh, Netanyahu is not one of those people who uh, you know is is uh, just honestly mistaken. He he knows better, uh, and yet he is uh, Netanyahu
1: Net- Net- is a, Net- yeah Netanyahu Net- is a coward. Is a coward because he knows better. And he's an educated person, and he chooses the wrong path every time. If you want to go back to Israeli leaders that had a moral backbone, go back to Golda. I'm not saying there were anywhere, you know, any of them were perfect. Go back to Menachem Begin. Go back to Raful, Rafael Eitan, as as the chief of, of the military, of we are here to crush our enemies and defend Israel as a free society. Period. That's it. We'll do everything. We're not counting bodies. We're not equating Israel to anything else. And that was a moral uh, certainty that led us to win so decisively in the 60s and the 70s, right? And we forgot it. We have deteriorated like the Western civilization in Europe and America. And we're paying the price as Israelis uh, with bodies because... Reality stares us in the face. We're not isolated in our own continent, right? And if they want, they need to, you know, sh- you know, uh, fly some airplanes into our World Trade Center, which is the most they can do. Because then they are, they are the other side. They're right there, the barbarians at, at the gates from all directions. So Israel needs to wake up and get smarter really fast.
0: Uh, thank you, Akira, for the super chat. Akira says he has read, uh, that's Netanyahu, he has read other objectivist foreign policy books. Uh, yeah, he's also written one. Uh, he's written a couple, but one that's, uh, that's about fighting terrorism. And yeah, we have said on this show, everybody who bought that book, we should have a class action lawsuit just getting a refund for the book because he clearly doesn't <laughs> believe uh, what yeah. he's saying. As I
1: it. think yeah, I heard Yaron say in one of his, is just, if he only read his own book, right? Yeah. I don't know who wrote it. I guess it was a ghostwriter or something. But uh, just read your own book and follow what you're saying there, and uh, get your act together. Um, I, I think the problem with Netanyahu is a political survivor, and he understands that if he started going in that direction, he's not sure he has the uh, the support of the Israeli of the Israelis. Israelis are confused in so many different ways, all the way from the left to the right. Uh, like you said, for the wrong reason. You you see even Feiglin, right? A person who's fighting for freedom and liberty and so on and so forth. He's saying we should crush them. He's saying all the uh, right outcomes, but not for the right reasons. It's because where he's messianistic, Mas, Mas, that's how you say, it. he's really thinking about this is what God, our God, tells us to do. So um, even when they are right about the the conclusions you see their reasoning, and that it's completely false.
0: So we talked about culture, culture in Israel, culture elsewhere. You know, one thing. Uh, so a few months ago on this channel, before October seventh, we were talking about um, this op-ed by Thomas Friedman in the New York Times, urging Saudi Arabia not to normalize relationship uh, relationships with Israel because it legitimizes uh, the Israeli uh, the Israeli leadership. Um, there was a few days ago, there was this letter to, uh, FIFA or UEFA, one of the governing bodies of world football or soccer, as you call it in America, uh, demanding that Israel be removed from competition. And if you look at the countries signing it, it's, it's really these horrible Middle Eastern dictatorships, but this is being discussed in the West as, you know, a valid opinion of just another, uh, another legitimate actor in the field. So, um, thinking of those examples where where is the culture uh in the west in terms of how they look at this and and how uh how that kind of thinking would uh, would affect us in other areas
1: again if uh, um i want to step back from the question to just give you know put the question in context how do you evaluate two sides of a conflict to begin with um if you If you understand the purpose of each side, then it brings the whole conflict into context. What is the purpose of the Israelis? The Israelis are trying to live in peace with individual rights and freedom to allow its citizens to thrive and create and do what they're doing. And you can see the the flourishing of the the Israeli culture and the Israeli um, um, markets producing so many innovations. What is the purpose of the Palestinians? what did they are what if you left them to to get whatever they want what what would that look like and that would be a, a religious totalitarianist uh you know fundamentalist uh regime uh oppressing their own people, killing people, throwing gay people from roofs and and um murdering women and limiting uh um the freedom of, of their citizen in so many different ways, it's going to be completely corrupt like it is. I mean, you don't have to imagine it. Just see how Hamas has been ruling Gaza uh, for the last uh, what decade and a half. and um, And then you have to pass judgment. You say, who's, who's the good? who are the good guys? who are the bad guys? And once you say the Israelis are the good guys. Because I want to see humans thriving in a free society. I don't want to say, I would rather live in America or Israel than living in Saudi Arabia or Gaza or Iran or North Korea. Why? Because of the ideals of that culture that manifest themselves in how you live. If you think that this is a better way of life, then you have chosen the good guys. Once you have chosen the good guys, now the question becomes, how do the good guys defeat the bad guys? And if you understand human nature, you need to understand that what fuels humans and and drives their will to fight is is their ideas. So if the whole context, the way we should look at this conflict is that there are good guys who are for freedom and human thriving, and there are bad guys, evil guys. And the good guys, like in any good uh, movie you've seen, need to crush the bad guys, kill them, and uh, get to the point where they say, enough, I will surrender my will to, and I will um, just abandon all will to, to live the way I, I said I want to, and I'm going to listen to you and do what you tell me to do right now and change my direction. Um if that is the way you see it then there's no question you know how the, the 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 west and america and um and and uh europe should should treat that now because they don't because the the culture is the western uh, civilization is being corrupted more and more to its core by subjectivist ideas right or subjectivist philosophies um then they come up with um with those Crazy ideas of how to look at Israel as the occupier, as the one who kills more people, and so on and so forth. Out of the context that I just mentioned, yeah, how would I know? They killed twenty thousand. They killed eight thousand. They killed, you know, twenty five thousand, and so on. So there's no way to um, morally judge what's going on. the The way the, the 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 Europeans and the Americans are now looking at it, it's just um like i said who is creating more destruction and if if our if our goal is to calm everything down the person who's aggravating that conflict is the bad guy and israel is aggravating that problem it sends troops and it sends bombs and so on maybe it, it will start another front in the north americans are, are like biden is like no no guys stop this is too much right so if you don't realize what is the fallacy at the core of the way the west is thinking right now and evaluating israel then the manifestation of it will be in soccer will be in boycotting it will be you know bds whatever you want to you know it will have different um manifestations but the root cause is the lack of understanding of the moral reason why those two sides are at war and i would the way i would talk to the people who say um equating Israel and Hamas, is like, go live there. Please, move from Britain, move from France, move from wherever you are, right, in Chicago, move to Gaza, move to Iran, right, move to Lebanon under Hezbollah. Live there, please, because you are advocating for that way of life. Right? So put your money and put your body where your mouth is, and you'll see they'll always back off. And um again, the Ayn Rand Institute, if you listen to how we evaluated the Israeli conflict from the the day it was established, from 85 through September 11, through all of the of the um uh, separation um of Ariel Sharon and 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 you know just evacuating back and all we were always the you know, the contrarians to the saying no, the, 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 the uh, peace accords, the Oslo peace accords, um, it's just a moral blindness uh, that doesn't really get to the core of it. And sorry, if you don't get to the core of it, if you're not smart, you're going to fail over and over and over again. It's time to pause. And I've released one thing after October 7th because it was burning in my stomach, which is Israeli, Israel has had an opportunity which is slowly diminishing to stop and rethink on a strategic level. And immediately we went back to tactics. Um, So, um, yeah, they they will boycott Israel. They will do so. I mean, it's just a matter of time where Israel is going to be portrayed as a true instigator of all of this. Uh, Truth will be distorted uh, because if you don't have moral judgment, then your ability to see life and reality as it is Is completely distorted. Uh, So yeah, it's going to be soccer and, and, uh, you know, boycotting Israeli uh, uh, companies. Uh, I know that the investment in Israeli companies have dropped 95%. Um, Right now, there are people who are saying there's such an amazing arbitrage because Israeli companies, high tech companies um, in every field are just selling for such a low price. Why? Why? Right? Because of moral judgment. And uh, even the investors who are supposed to be objective are non-objective. They're not seizing opportunities because they are morally corrupt. They don't see what's really going on. Um, So it's a sad situation. Uh, But I want to say I'm optimistic because I think I hear more voices in Israel speak the right kind of language than I've ever seen. And maybe that's uh, the the, kind of the kick in the butt that Israeli needed to wake up a little bit.
0: Yeah, and and, uh, by the way, on your suggestion that people who support the Palestinians move to Gaza, I mean, if you're in the UK, there are parts of the country you can move to that are exactly the same. So, you know, you can have LGBTQ for East London. Start from that if uh, Gaza is too far for you or you don't want to destroy the planet by flying. Um, Tal, we're out of time. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, where where can people find out more about you and uh, the Ayn Rand Institute?
1: At Ayn Um we are we have New Ideal, which is our uh, publication. We write a lot. If you check our YouTube channel, you can see so many amazing discussions by our intellectuals and our intellectual network about the response to the the war in Israel. Um, And um, also, if you want to learn more about where those ideas and this moral certainty comes from, um, read Ayn Rand, her novels, her nonfiction. And if you're really interested in objectivism, come learn from the best minds on the planet uh, who carry those ideas uh, through the Ayn Rand University, which you can find at university.ainrand.org.
0: And we do have a uh, very late, but still on time, uh, super chat from Garbled Words. Uh, he asks, what are some great undervalued Israeli companies? This is probably where we should have a disclaimer that, you know, this is, uh, not <laughs> that's not the in, but...
1: place uh, to say it. But there are, I, if you're interested, there are a lot of people organizing in the United States that I know with new funds uh, uh, that are specifically investing in Israel. Um uh all over uh and and uh they're raising money to leverage the huge opportunities right now to invest in israeli companies that are undervalued so do your homework
0: yeah and when you say new funds investing in israel if you find the new israel fund that is not what tal is talking about right that's Kevin oh,
1: no 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 not the new israeli fund no
0: um all right thanks tal uh thanks everybody for watching Ayn Rand Center UK members platinum and above The Philosophy Forum is starting in a couple of minutes. It's late. Sorry, we were late on this show as well. Uh, We'll be back with the Daily Objective tomorrow, 5.30 UK time, uh, 12.30 Eastern, uh, followed by the reality show Extra for ARC UK YouTube members. Thanks again, Tal. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.